Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, church family. It's a cold one out there. It's fun watching you come in all bundled up. I don't like it when Phil tells children's story that leave me hanging. Who is Gustav? What was the present, and why didn't he want it? So I'm going to have to figure this out at our staff meeting later this week. I, uh, all these things he sold, my goodness, he's a wonderful man. It's good to be together and to open God's Word together. Um, today we're beginning a five- or six-week journey in the book of James. If uh, you haven't read James recently, I would encourage you to read it. Five chapters long, it's two pages in your New Testament, so it's, it's not a long read, but it's a deep read. Um, it gives wonderful insights into Christian living. That's why I love the book. It's, um, it has a consistent focus on practical action in the life of faith. Practical action in a life of faith. Um, it's what I call a, a so what book. I believe in Jesus. So what do I have to do now? I have faith, so what should I love? What should my decisions be? It's a so what book. And as we look at it, uh, you see that it's called the book of James. Well, who is this James? Um, James is the Greek translation of the name Jacob. So he was a man who probably was called Jacob. Um, Jacob is one who follows Now, there are many James, there were many James back in the uh, biblical times, and there are many James now. Um, Which James was he? Who was he? The author of the book is widely believed to be James, the half-brother of Jesus. So Jesus' half-brother wrote a book in the Bible. I don't, for those of you who may be new believers, if you look in the Bible, there's a book that's written by the half-brother of Jesus. Um, now, when Jesus was, was working and living, and uh, James wasn't a believer. He wasn't an apostle during the time of Christ. He came to faith after Jesus died. So watching Jesus um, grow up, he didn't, he didn't become a believer in him. But after Jesus lived and died and rose again, even his own brother became a believer. His half-brother became a the Messiah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your half-brother being, being the Lord? Uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful book, and, and James becomes um, quite a believer, a leader, a writer, an apostle. And, uh, and you're going to love this book. Uh, we're going to look at it for a few weeks, and the question, just as we sort of get introduced to the book, is, well, what is James writing this book for? What is the book of James? What does it say? And so here's a little, a little bit of foreshadowing what we'll be looking at. Firstly, he focuses on our actions during trials. Does that relate to any of you? Have you ever had a trial? Actions during trials. So number two, the treatment of this, those less fortunate. He speaks about how we should treat those who are less fortunate. Are you less fortunate? How do you treat those who are less fortunate? Number three, he speaks about how we relate to one another. 
How well do we relate to one another? We're going to look at that in the next month. And fourth, the role that money plays in how we live. What a book, isn't it? Quite an interesting book, five chapters. The role that money plays in our lives and in our faith. Um, I love preaching this book. I love reading and studying in this book. So would you please read James chapter 1 when you get home? One, one book, uh, 27 verses. Uh, read it a couple times this week and you'll be way ahead of the game for the coming weeks. Now, this book brings me great joy. And um, we start with the uh, verse 2. After James introduces the book in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, he goes on to say, Consider it pure joy. And uh, I wonder how many of you would say that you find joy in simple things in life. Um, what is the simplest thing you find joy in? And, and one of the things in my home that brings great joy is ice cream. How many of you find joy in ice cream? I see that hand. The ice cream lovers. Um, David, can you throw up a, a picture there? Here is, if you find joy in ice cream, you'll find joy at Manuel Olvieri's ice cream shop in Merida, Venezuela. He has a total of 860 flavors of ice cream. There goes the next 860 flavors, including onion, chili, eggplant, smoked trout, spaghetti, Parmesan cheese, and here's chicken with rice. Spaghetti. Number five, 593, he calls chippy chippy, and its ingredients is saltwater um, shellfish. Saltwater shellfish ice cream. So, uh, when it, if you love ice cream, that's the place to go in Venezuela. Um, my beloved Sarah is an expert when it comes to all things cream and ice. And um, I don't know if you'd love all of his flavors, sweetie. They sound kind of awful. But Sarah's favorite flavors are like moose tracks and another one, Chunky Monkey. So I'm not sure what's in Chunky Monkey. If it was in Venezuela, I would be really worried what was in <laughs> Chunky Monkey. But... But ice cream, ice cream brings great joy in our household. And Sarah, if you want to please my beloved, um, have us over and, and just feed us ice cream. <laughs> um, we find joy in food, simple things. And as my Mennonite family is teaching me a great love for things that are baked and for borscht and for homemade bread, I, uh, I, I'm learning to love prishki and and roll cooking and svibak with a little bit of cheese and jam on top. Are you getting hungry now? Are you getting hungry? Yes, you are. Um, in what simple things do you find joy in life? In books? In music? In your spouse? Your children? Where do you find your joy? In gardening? In, in grandchildren? In cooking? In eating? You know, in life, there's a number of things that are commonly thought to bring joy, but they don't necessarily. There's, the first one is that people think that there's a great amount of joy to be found in money. And uh, uh, there was a man, Jay Gould, one of the wealthiest men on earth. He was lying on his deathbed, and 
And he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. He had all the money, more money than he could do anything. He could never spend it all. Yet he was miserable. Albert Einstein was famous and thought to be one of the most intelligent men on earth. He says, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. It seems that having a great mind, being famous for Albert Einstein, simply did not bring joy. Lastly, all of these shiny things that we clamor for, Phil and his fancy bicycle, all the beautiful things that we buy, our clothes that, that moths destroy and things that rust or things that people steal. I don't know how many of you have been robbed. Sarah's lost most of our family jewelry as, as we were robbed a few times in, in Toronto and Nairobi. We, uh, things, things, pleasures, they, uh, they disappear. They get stolen, they rust or moths eat them. So if joy can't be found, true joy, lasting joy, isn't found in money or fame or intelligence or in pleasures, well, where is it found? Where am I going to find pure joy? And that's what we're looking at this morning. James tells us that we find joy in the most incredible of places. He says that pure joy is to experience trials. Pure joy is to attain wisdom. And pure joy is to be single-minded. We're going to look quickly at those three this morning. Pure joy to experience trials. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you want joy? Look for joy through your trials and your troubles. Now, most of us run from trials and difficulties. We don't see anything good with trials and troubles and problems. And that's usually because we can't see what they're all about. We don't see the big picture. We can't see past the difficulty. One of the most common trials that we're having this time of year is sickness and, and colds and flus. How many, of you, how many of you have had a cold or a flu this year? Isn't that something? There's been a lot of... I hear it's because it hasn't been cold enough to kill off all those, all those germs. Well, how did you live through your cold or flu? Um, we are going to get sick. We don't enjoy a cold, but we can witness God's goodness by how we respond to our health challenge. Now, some of you, when you are sick, you hibernate. And that's probably a wise thing, because you don't want to give it to anybody else. But does your cold... I believe that everything that happens in life, God, God is working in you and through you. So, Haiti, what did you learn through this sickness and this cold? We missed you when you came back and you weren't feeling well. So, your cold made us love you more because... You didn't come to worship because you didn't want to share your cold. And on behalf of the congregation, we'd like to say thank you for not coming to church. But we're glad you're back. When a person's health goes out the window, they often lose their joy. And it's sad because we'll all lose our health. Our knees will start to hurt. We will all get a headache. 
We'll get a, a sore back. We'll have a toothache. Suffering is close to all of us. So how can we seek joy in our suffering? It's amazing how much joy Joni Erickson seems to possess. I don't know if you know her story. Joni was a teenager growing up. Her father was an Olympian. He was a, a wrestler and, and an incredible man of sport. And she loved riding horses and hiking and tennis and, and all those sporty things. She loved to swim. And it was in 1967 that she uh, was at the Chesapeake Bay and she went to dive in the water and she didn't know that the water was very shallow. And uh, when she dove in, she hit the sand and it, it fractured her fourth, uh, between the fourth and fifth cervical levels in, uh, in her back and she became a quadriplegic. You can, you can learn more about her online or, or watch her movies or read any of her 40 books. An incredible lady who became a paraplegic, just one thing, diving into that water. Now, uh, Joni Erickson can't do half of what we do, but she seems to possess this incredible joy, joy more joy than many of us who can use our hands and our feet and can travel and, and do what we'd like. Uh, she can't. She believes strongly, her, her core verse is 2 Corinthians 12, 9, um, which says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, then we're strong. First Peter 1 6 says, In all this, which means in all our trials and our difficulties, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our trials and our rejoicing reveal Christ to others. Imagine, our struggles reveal Christ to others. How you manage your difficulties and your trials reveals Christ to others. People are watching us, our co-workers, as you follow Christ. People are watching us. How do you respond to your difficulties? Even how do you respond to your cold and your flu? Fortunately, our trials and troubles do not last forever. Our colds fade. My dear Sarah, she was here one Sunday. She couldn't speak a word because the cold was clinging to her and... Um, and thankfully, it's going away. But we all know that when we were born, the clock starts ticking and we have to use every day to the best of our abilities. We know that when the clock stops ticking here on earth, that we begin a new journey with God. And we are finally healed. Our ultimate healing is when our struggle on earth is over and we go to be with Christ. So, Amen. So I cannot expect to be pain-free or trial-free here on earth. That would be ridiculous. I'm going to love it as much as I can, and I'm going to live with joy through my trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Why do we consider it pure joy? Because we know that the joys are not the end of our, the struggles are not the end of our life. 
Um, my trials come and my trials go. And the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Trials help us to find joy. They change us. They make us stronger. There's, there's a real popular word now. The word is resilience. And all the studies are how do we build resilience, particularly in, in younger generations. And, and Sarah's doing some reading even now about resilience among Mennonites. There's a lot of research on Mennonite populations. And, uh, and, Men- and Mennonite people, as a group of people who have suffered, have a unique ability and a unique resilience because of that which they've been through. And uh, I'm going to be talking to our elders about it uh, at our upcoming meeting. Sarah's uh, doing some wonderful research. We have a resilience that is built by trial and difficulty. So we become strong because we've struggled. Do you, have you ever met anyone who's never struggled? I don't, I don't, none of us, no, I don't see any hands out there. We have all struggled. Do you want to be strong? Then you've got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to be resilient. You've got to struggle through your trials. And Mennonites, of all people, know how to live through struggles and trials. Interesting stories. I'm so proud to be a Mennonite. Trials make us stronger. We must be broken down in order to be built up. We must be broken down in order to be built up. I love that. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, my beloved family, let's try our best to have perspective in the midst of our trials. Do not look for difficulties and trials. They will find you. Okay? Scripture doesn't say go out and put yourself in a situation that's going to be difficult. They say when you are faced with trials, then persevere. And in the end, we'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So with God's help, we will experience pure joy. Let's look at verse 5. Second point is pure joy to gain wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, do any of you lack wisdom? Do any of you lack wisdom? Oh, come on. Come on. We need wisdom. Do we have all the wisdom we need? We do not have all the wisdom. I think we all lack wisdom at certain times in life in dealing with certain matters. Canadians are a funny people. They, they, we, we are a people who think that we are in control. But we're not. We need wisdom. Sometimes we have questions that aren't answered in God's book. And that's our opportunity to ask him through his spirit, through his people, through others. Lord, teach me. Sometimes when we run into decisions that must be made in life and we don't know what to do, what do we do? What do we do? Do we ask Oprah? A lot of people do. <laughs> do you Google it? 
You know, sometimes you can find answers online. But when we need real wisdom and real direction, that is when God says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he gives generously to all without finding fault. In my little house in Port Weller, I have something called ComWave. ComWave is my TV, my internet, and my telephone. They offer all of those things, sort of like Bell or Kojiko. Do you have those things in your home? And this is, these things give me my TV, my internet, my telephone, and it's all on the, on the web. Um, in my box, in my basement, I have a little box with little green flashy lights and all sorts of wires going into it. Do you have those little boxes? They're, they're called modems. It's a modem. What that? What, what is a modem? Well, a, a modem is a device that, that encodes digital information and it, it, it modulates an analog signal and turns it into a digital signal. And it does it the other way. It turns a digital signal, modulates it, turns it into an analog signal so you have information going back and forth. I don't know how to do that. Do you know how that does that? Do you know how a modem really works? If you took it, could you make one? Could you bake one? If it was Mennonite, we could bake a modem. I don't know. Do I understand how a modem works? No, I don't really understand those flashy lights. But let me tell you, I understand when it doesn't work. Because what happens at, at Pastor Rob's house when the modem decides to stop? No telephone, no TV, no internet. I'm in a cave. I'm just, I'm in a cave. So what do you do when that happens? you go to Tim Hortons. <laughs> because they have free internet. You go to Tim Hortons. No, what do I do when I have problems with my computer? I call, we have special people called geeks. Geeks. And a geek is someone who understands these things and can fix them for them. us. They, they have wisdom that I don't have. The reality is that we have an expert in heaven who knows everything. Which way to go to in life, what we should do, how to care for our children. And you know he loves us. He knows what we should say. He knows the decisions we should make. And he says, just ask me. And I give without fault to anyone who asks. That's why we need to be talking to him every day. He knows the way. It's pure joy to know that we have a God to call on at any time. We are never alone. If you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives generously. Um, the scripture said God gives generously without finding fault. Sometimes we're afraid to ask questions. If a guy comes and asks about the modem, he's like, I don't really know what those green flashy lights mean, but they're not flashing. And you kind of feel dumb to ask someone to help you. But God says, don't, don't feel badly. Ask again and again and again. He gives generously without finding fault. He, he gives wisdom simply without condition to all who ask. You know, I, sometimes we think that, that God is, is, is like that, that friend who says, well, stop asking me. You ask me again and again, and I'm tired of you asking me for help. And he's not like that. God is like a, he has a great river of wisdom that's ever flowing, and he says, take a cup. Take my wisdom. It, it's yours. 
When you look through the Bible, you don't see God ever saying that uh, I don't have enough to give you. I'm running out. He never runs out of wisdom. He has wisdom to give us, and he'll keep on giving it to us as long as we keep asking. That's the wonderful part of it. Do you want joy? Find wisdom by asking Christ. Lastly, it's pure joy to be single-minded. This will be the, the last few verses that we'll look at today. But when you ask, so you're asking for wisdom, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So the scripture is encouraging us to be single-minded. The word double-minded is only found once in the Bible. And where is it found? Book of James, chapter 1. The Greek word is dipsuchos. And it's there in James 1, and it means to be torn between two things. Torn between two things. So, um, have you ever been trying to, to lose weight? And, and let's use ice cream as an example again. <laughs> have you ever been trying to lose weight, and a friend of yours says, let's go to Avondale. Let's go get some ice cream. A single, a single might, someone has done, someone has gone to Avondale, and they shouldn't have gone, I can hear Um, A single-minded person says, no, I am losing weight. I am single-minded and focused. No, thank you. No ice cream for me. Now, a double-minded person says, hmm, let me see. A little bit won't hurt. Have you ever said that? A little bit won't hurt. Well, a little bit hurts. How about this one? Well, I had a smaller breakfast, so I have a little bit of room in my ice cream bank to go to Avondale, so I'll, maybe I'll have a little. It's this double-minded stuff, this pulling that tears us in two. It, it tears us in two. A double-minded person. Well, d- being double-minded means praying and doubting at the same time. God says, pray, but do not doubt. I, I will answer you. Being double-minded is hearing and then doing nothing about it. Like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, unstable. What is a single-minded person? Well, a single-minded person is living in the light of God, knowing what to do, certain about it, and then doing it. Don't you love those people? Those single-minded people? They're trustworthy. They're stable. They're focused. And there's a focused dad. She's so beautiful. So beautiful. Our goal is to be single-minded people, useful tools in the hands of God. My yes is yes. My no is no. You can trust me again and again. If I say I will be there, I will be there. I'm stable. I am focused. I'm choosing one way. Is that you? Maybe on your best day. Maybe that's me on my best day. Lord, I want to be single-minded. Make me a single-minded man. We must choose one way to go. And Christ is the way. 
No matter what else we do, we must choose him and his will. Philippians three thirteen to 14 Brother, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, Paul said, this one thing, to follow, to strive, to seek, to do the will of God. And his will for us may include trials, struggles, and pain. But as you look at the bigger picture, you will see that the trials lead to perseverance, perseverance to character, and character to hope. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks and and looking at more of James with you. This week, James taught us that pure joy is found as we experience trials. Pure joy is found as we attain wisdom. All we have to do is ask. James taught us that it's pure joy to be single-minded, solid, mature, and lacking nothing. May God bless each of you this week as you face trials. And please know that you are loved and, and that if you need help as you face trials, God is there for you. But we have this family of Christ. God created the church so that we can walk with each other and support each other through trials and difficulties. So if you need a brother or a sister to walk with you at this time, um, the church phone number is in your bulletin. And for those of you online around the world, um, email and text, uh, let us walk with you through your difficulties. My prayer is that this week you would experience pure joy. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, show us pure joy. Not in the things around us, by fleeting experiences or shiny objects, but we are grateful, Father, for all the things you give us. But we know that real joy comes through you. Give us pure joy in our trials and through our struggles. Give us confidence that you are with us every step of the way. Father, we ask today that you would give us wisdom. Father, give us joy in life knowing that you are ready, willing, and able to make us wise, to answer our cries for help. And Father, make us strong, reliable, kind, stable-minded, single-minded people. May our minds be focused on the things you teach us about. Focus on love, Father. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And may our joy, this pure joy, Father, may it overflow to our families, our friends, and to the world. We pray this in Christ's name. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.